Um, but I'm, I just want to uh, share with you uh, about putting God first. Um, kind of ties in with uh, Daniel. Uh, you know, there's a lot of t- kind of things that really tie in. I won't necessarily read specifically from Daniel because I think a lot of the verses we'll be repeating it would be the same things that we've read a few times now. Uh, but I'll refer a little bit to Daniel uh, and I'll give you some other uh, kind of scriptures, uh, references as well. So putting God first. Okay, how many of us truly can say we put God first? Put your hands up. I'm not putting mine up. <laughs> In everything. All the time. Yeah. I think most of us try. Yeah. I think most of us try. And I think some of us do it more than others. But I think it's difficult to say we really, in everything, in absolutely everything, that we put God first. What does it mean to put God first? Interaction. What does it mean to put God first? What do you think it means to put God first? Go on, don't be shy. Fantastic. Okay. First person, best friend. Yeah. Go to, go to God first if you're not feeling well. What else? Anybody else? Any thoughts about it? Put, put, what is it to put God first? Being obedient to what he says. Great. Being obedient to what he says. Also good. Anything else? Anybody else? Fantastic. Yes. To rely on God everything. I like that. To rely on God for everything. Okay. Here's what I think part of it is, and and all these things are are, are good as well. I think it's a state of mind, and I think it's an attitude of the heart. Yeah? I think it's a state of mind, and I think it's an attitude of the heart. 1 Peter 3 verse 15, it says, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So there's two things there. There's the heart and there's the mind. You know, I think putting God first is is a conscious thing. So that, that involves your mind. But it's also something that is in your heart as well. It's, it's, it's both, I think, working in harmony. Daniel and his friends, I think, knew how to put God first. I think. I think that's a great example in Daniel of these guys. They really did put God first, I think. Probably in everything. I think they really did. We could learn a few things. I could learn a few things from these guys. And as I bring this message, guys, it's one of these all-inclusive messages that includes the preacher. So there's things in it for me too, things in it for you. We're all in this together. This is not me telling you guys what to do or how to live. This is me including myself in some of these things because I'm working through some of, some of these areas in my own life. You know, I'm working them through and, I, and you'll be working other things through in your life as well. So Daniel and his friends, I believe, put God first. But I think they demonstrated that. And I've got... Uh, Dion had one point. How good was that? One point. And I bet you none of you have forgotten it. 
Ah bien Pour moi, c'est À Carlinghe We are royalty, guys. We are royalty. She was talking about us being royal and lifting our heads up, you know, and every day saying, God, I belong to you. I'm your child. One, I can't compete with one point. Um, but I've gone back to the old traditional three points. So I've, gone, I've got three points for you. The first of those points is that I believe that Daniel and his friends showed commitment. Okay? I believe they showed commitment. They were committed to keeping themselves pure. And Sam's brought that last week. It was, it was good. We talked about the, the food. And uh, basically, as Sam's had brought last week, that uh, the Babylonians quite often offered food to their idols, to their gods, um, before they ate it. And that's the reason why these guys were committed to God's kingdom. They were not going to do that. There was no way that they were going to do that. So they were fully committed, and they didn't want to defile themselves by eating uh, food that was offered to idols. Example of commitment from the, from the early church, if we can uh, read Acts 4, verses 32. It says this, all the believers, ooh, you hear that? All the believers, echo, echo, echo. All the believers, that's better. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person amongst them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's commitment. That's commitment. Hey, God, my house, I'm going to sell it. I'm not saying that you should do that. That was just a model of the early church. We live in different times, different cultures, but that's what they did. But the fact is they were prepared to do it. What if God said that to you or me? Hope he doesn't. Don't like to sell my house. <laughs> what if God said, it's an attitude, remember what I said? It's an attitude. It's the mind and the heart. And God looks at these things. These guys were committed. Daniel and his friends were committed. They showed that they were committed. The early church showed that they were committed, that they would sell all the possessions. You know, the house, the car. They didn't have a car, by the way, back then. Just, it was a bit like the Flintstones with your legs through the bottom. God says, sell your house, sell your car. You know, what, what commit, what, how committed are we to God? Would we do anything that he asks us to do? What about yourself? What about me? Would you, if God says, do this, is there anything that you would say, I, God, you can have this, but you're not getting that? You're not getting that. Is there areas of your life 
you would say to God, you're not having this, Lord. This is mine. This belongs. It's mine. Mine. We get very possessive, don't we, as people, about what's ours. This is mine. And uh, we, all, we all do it. It's not a criticism. It's, a, it's an observation. I think that's it's, it's the, the, the world that we live in. You know, we, we've been brought up. Um, we work hard. We go and we do things that we do. We earn our money and we buy things that we like. And then those things become ours. But actually, where did, where did the money come from? Where did the job that you have come from? Who, who gives you all the good stuff? I believe it's from heaven above. And because he gives you stuff, that really means it's no your stuff. It's his stuff. So really, we should be willing to say, oh God, God, I'm giving you it. That's commitment. Commitment is a deep, it's a deep thing. There's a lot, lots of things. It's not just your possessions that God is interested in. He's interested in a lot of stuff. It's your, heart, it's your attitude of your heart. God isn't asking you to sell your house. Thank goodness. He's probably not asking you to sell your car. But would you? It's your heart. It's saying, Lord, all to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all, God. God's saying, I do you. Do you really? Really? Thank God must smile if we ever sing that song. And, says, and he's looking at all of us and saying, I bet you wouldn't give me that, though. You know, we need to kind of look at our heart and say, God, I want to learn how to be in a position to give you everything, to, to be fully committed to your kingdom, to give everything, to throw everything into it. The second area I want to talk about is cost. <coughs> Commitment. Daniel and his friends were commit, committed. There was also a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. Does God, does he want your money? Does he want your time? Does he want your talent? Now the answer to that, you would immediately say is yes. Actually, I put no. He wants it all. He wants you. He wants everything. He, he actually wants you as a person. That includes all the other things as well. It includes your time, your talent, your, your finance. It includes everything. God actually wants you. He wants every part of me. Now that sounds a bit greedy, do you not think? Do you not think that sounds awfully greedy? God, you want everything. Everything. That's no fair. You're not getting it all. I'll give you some of it. You know, it sounds like God has been really greedy. But he doesn't. He's not being greedy. He loves you. And the reason he wants to give you, to, you to give all to him is because he's going to give you stuff back. God doesn't take away stuff without giving. If you're looking for the best giver in the whole universe, it's God. He gave everything. He gave his life. Did you, have you given your life? He gave his life for you. And anything that you give to God isn't as much as what God will give you back. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? God, you cannot outgive God. No matter what you give, he will, he's given more. And he wants to bless you. He wants to give so much to you. So it's not, a, it's not hard to say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything that I have. Matthew 16, verse 24, says this. 
sorry, technology. See, when you press the wrong button, it throws you. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow me. I wish the Bible asked us to do things that were easy. They really do. Wouldn't it be nice? Lord, just leave me alone. <laughs> just leave me alone. But God asks you to do things. Deny yourself. How easy do I find that? I don't find that easy. I don't find that easy. It's not easy to deny yourself. It's actually really difficult. Because I want all kinds of things. My flesh wants all kinds of things. But Jesus said, deny yourself and then pick up your cross. I wonder if there's things that you're denying yourself to follow Jesus. I wonder if there's things that are costing you anything. What cost, what's it costing you to follow Jesus? The early church, they knew what it was to have a cost. Not only did they sell their houses, not only did they give their possessions, they were rejected by the church leaders of the time. The Pharisees, the Sadducees rejected them, they actually hated them, wanted to, uh, to, to destroy them. Many of the early church were rejected by their families because, you know, Christianity was, was, was viewed as a sect, all right? It was like a, a sect back then. It wasn't any, like, mainstream. It was, like, way out there. So many of the people's families might have rejected them as well. Do you know what it's like to be rejected by your family? Maybe some of you do. Maybe some of you have. But the early church, many of them might have been rejected by their families. Some of them lost their livelihoods for the sake of serving Christ. We know that the, the apostles themselves were fishermen. Okay, well, that, that, that kind of stopped because Jesus came first. They were willing to, to lose their livelihood for the sake of following Jesus. And many lost their lives. Many of the early church, they lost their lives. Cost them. Cost them a lot. What's it costing you and me? What's it costing you? Ask yourself, forget, forget anybody else. Just say, God, what's it cost? What's my Christian life actually costing me right now? Is it costing you a lot? This is this is a uh, Sounds a bit of a heavy message, probably is. It's not meant to be mega heavy, but it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. You know, sometimes I need a challenge. I don't know about you. Sometimes I like God to challenge me because sometimes I feel I need it. You know, sometimes you can just carry on in your Christian life, doing what you do, coming to church on a Sunday saying, hi guys, how are you doing? Fantastic. Bless you. Good to see you this morning. See you next week. And that's it. And then we go out and we, we maybe go through difficulties, we go through struggles, we go through things. And, you know, it can be difficult. 
You know, God is wanting to, to, to bless you, but we need to be willing to give him everything. We need to be willing to surrender everything to him. What's it costing you? A big part of the account of Daniel is about not worshipping other gods. Daniel 3 talks about not worshipping other gods and not bowing down to them. What gods have you dealt with in order to follow Jesus? You know, a God doesn't need to be a deity. A God can be anything. It can be... I've just got a few examples. These, these are just a few, guys. This isn't, it, there can be loads of stuff. But some of the common ones that, that we all struggle with at times, so again, inclusive, we all struggle with, is watching the TV. Come home from work. Oh, I'm so shattered. Bing, turn the telly on, vegetate. You know, you might not struggle with that and you might not like TV. That's good, but I, I do that because I find it just relaxing and I chill out, but I sometimes watch too much. So that's a challenge for me. That's one of my, if you want to call it a God, probably is. It's one that I have to keep tabs on. It's one that I have to be aware of. It's one that I have to sometimes deal with. And it's not just the, the TV. Do you know what? Sometimes what we watch as well, guys, you know? God's challenged me over the years with this. And I have to say, I, I genuinely, I'm in a good place with that now, just now. But there's been times in my life I've watched things that weren't good. And some of the, the morals that are on some of these soaps, I used to watch some of the, a lot of the soaps. And I'm, this, is, this is not condemnation, guys. This is no, if you watch soaps, I'm not telling you to make you feel terrible. You need to pray about these things yourself because it's your decision what you watch. You're in control. You know, as I'm in control, I just had to make some choices. I just felt for myself that this world is under, are attacking the church so much. And the stuff that we watch, these soaps, the morals are diabolical. And I was, I was sitting saying, why am I watching this? I started asking myself, why am I watching this? It's rubbish. It's everything that the world says is right. The church says it is wrong. Or God says is wrong. No, the church. God says is wrong. And everything that the church says is, or, or God says is right, the world says is, is, is wrong. And that's the society we live in. And sometimes we've got to challenge our own attitudes to these things. Because the morals in these soaps are saying things that actually are totally contrary to what God is saying. So how, how good is it that if I sit and watch this stuff and I'm sitting, I'm almost agreeing with it. You know, it's, it's chipping away at my faith. It's chipping away at my faith, you know. What kind of music do we listen to? There's another one. We don't like bringing that up either. I'm not talking about is it Christian or non-Christian. I, I personally don't have an issue listening to some non-Christian music, but what do we listen to? Is it, is it edifying? Is it good What's the messages that are coming through in the music that we're listening to? Is there bad language and swearing every two seconds? I don't like that. I don't want to listen to that. I'll be honest, I don't want to listen to that. Does it build you up? Does it make you feel good? Our music, what we listen to, can be a bit of a god. And here's one something that the young people are going to love me for this. Do you know what? I'm going to be number one fan of the young people in this church. They're going to be shouting, Stevie Giorgio, he's the man. We love him. Not. How about the amount of time we spend and the kind of stuff that we watch when we're playing computer games? I'm telling you, that's a huge one. And I'm, and I'm putting it out there. Is it good? Is it morally good? 
Because I'll tell you what, now computer games aren't like what they were when I was young. Hey guys, remember the Atari? Hey, now we're talking, eh? Atari. Do you remember Atari? Some of you do. It was brilliant. Let me tell you, the graphics on this thing were absolutely outstanding. You had, you had a little line on one side, and on the other side you had another little line, and you had a little ball in between, and it just came out, and then you, you hit it with your little bat, you bang, and it went, boop, boop. It went off the side, and then it, it went, and it hit the other side. It was angles, all about angles. And you would get your little bat and you would try and hit the little ball back and it would bounce off the angles. And it was like, and if it got past the other person's little bat, you got a point. How good was that? The Atari, legend. They were great. Do you know there was nothing in them? Now, you've got, you name every sin you can possibly think of when they have it in computer games. Because they tell stories. It's all about stories now. They actually make it almost look real like the TV. It's like a TV program. They take things and it looks like the TV and they have all the language and all the morals and all the stuff. Guys, is it good? You're not like the next thing I'm going to say either. It's great. I'll be asking me back next week. It's brilliant. <laughs> Stevie, you want to speak again? All oh, right, okay. If Jesus came in, how comfortable would you be? Sit down, Jesus. I'm just playing this violent game that I'm destroying people to bits and blowing them. There's blood spattering everywhere and everything. It's great. Be comfortable, Jesus. That's no problem. How seriously would you feel comfortable? Ask yourself that in all honesty. Would you feel comfortable? The music that you listen to, you happy Jesus coming in and they're effing and blinding and stuff like that. And you're, are you cool with that? See, I'm only saying this because somebody said that to me once. I got preached at when I was younger. I did something about it. And I, I don't regret it. I made, a, I made a choice. I changed some of the stuff I listened to. Stop listening to it. Some of the stuff that I watched, I stopped watching. Yeah? So I'm only telling you guys things that I've been told myself. And you've got a choice when you hear something that's a challenge. You can either say, rubbish, get lost, I'm not having it, I'm not wanting it. Or you can say, do you know what, if you've got an open heart, you say, Lord, you know, that's speaking to me. I'm going to go away and pray about that. And I'm going to ask you, Lord, what, what changes? What's it going to cost me? Is it going to cost you something to get rid of some stuff? Get rid of some stuff. And the only reason is because God's going to give you stuff back. See, when you give things to God, he'll give you it back again. I'm moving on because I'm just watching my time. Actually, we're doing all right for time. All right, I'll make yourself comfortable, right? We'll just slow down a wee bit. Let's slow down a wee bit. Do we spend a huge amount of time on some of our favourite pastimes and hobbies, and yet... We sometimes say to God, and you do say this, I know you do, because I know I, I've said it as well, sometimes. Not all the time. But God, I don't have any time to pray with my Bible. It's so hard. Don't tell me you've never said that before, because I bet you have. I'm really struggling to fit reading my Bible and praying in. But I need to get to my gym class tonight. And I need to, that's good. Go to your gym class. Right? I need to watch my favourite programme at Sunday night. 
There's that, you know, guys, we've all done it. You've all done it, and I've done it. And, and the Lord's sitting there saying, have you really got any time for me? Have you really got no time? And I like the, the, the Chris Hodges videos. It's great. I mean, he was talking about just spending time in the morning, and he was talking about the 15-minute thing, the five-minute uh, prayer, five-minute reading your Bible, five-minute in worship. You know, we can all give God 15 minutes. But I believe that putting God first is, is not just about spending an hour in prayer or an hour reading your Bible. If you can do that, fabulous. If you need more, brilliant. But it's about that consciousness. Come back to that consciousness that we talked about. Being conscious of God in your heart and in your mind. You know, you can do that during your whole day. You can be really conscious of the Lord. And that's what God wants. God wants to be a part of your life 24 hours a day. Doesn't he want to just get 10 minutes now and again? He wants to, he wants to be your pal. You know, are you living your Christian life with Jesus as your pal? Is he? Is he your best pal? Because he should be. He should be more your best pal than your husband, your wife, your mum, your dad. He should be your best pal. And that's what I think it is to put God first. I think it's bringing Jesus to that place where we are we're 24-7. We're not thinking about God because you have to do your work. You have to do things. But you're, he's with you. And you're conscious that he's with you in all the things that you do. 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 23 says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything you, sorry, you say, but not everything is constructive. So what it's saying is that, you know, for Christians, you know, it's not rules and regulations. So if you're listening to me this morning, you're probably saying, oh, Steve, you're old school. You know, you're talking about rules and regulations and stuff like that. You know, we're free. Jesus has set us free. He has set you free. Absolutely true. You are free, and here the sun sets free is free indeed. But you are free, but not everything's good for you. And you know, God, being your best friend and your father, your heavenly father as well as your, he's your father, he, he's thinking of what's good for you, right? Let me give you an example. If you're sitting there and you're feeling really sick, what'd you do? Really, really know well. What would you do? Go to the doctor. You go to the doctor so the doctor could give you something to help you. It's the same thing as a Christian. You know, God wants to help you. He's on your side. And when there's things that are not good in your life, he's saying, he's saying these things are not good for you. They're actually making you not well as a Christian. They're not making, they're, you're not well as a Christian. I want to make you better. So give them to me. Let them go. So God is only interested in your health. He wants to make you the best you can be. So it's, it's an attitude of mind. I keep coming back to this. It's an attitude of mind. God is not looking to be a big spoil sport and ruin your life. You're ruining my life, God. You're taking too many things. He wants to bless you. The, th the third point that I have is consecrate. The dictionary definition means to devote something exclusively, use that word exclusively, to a specific purpose. I'll say that again. Consecrate means, the dictionary definition means to devote something exclusively to a specific purpose. 
In the Old Testament, if you look at some of the references for consecration, it was usually when the children of Israel were going into a battle. They were about to go into a big battle that they, they, they should lose. Because Israel fought a lot of people in battles that they shouldn't have won. They shouldn't have won. Because it's like they would take out 100,000 people and the army they would be fighting would be half a million people. So they shouldn't really win. But they came to God and they consecrated themselves. They set themselves apart. One of the, the key words when we talk about consecration, there's another word that works hand in hand with consecration and it's called holiness. And that's a word we don't talk about in the church much. Holiness. If when we come to consecrate, we, we need to be holy. And when the children of Israel came and they consecrated themselves and they laid everything down before God, what happened was they went out and they, went, they won the victory. They won the battle. They won the battle. Joshua chapter 7 verse 13 says, Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For what? For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. I'll let that sink in because I think that's something to think about. Let me say that last bit. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Wow. Is that just for the Old Testament, do you think? I think that's for today as well. If you want victory in your life, if I want victory in my life, there's sometimes things in my life that I need to remove, that I need to get out of the way. I need to come and consecrate myself to the Lord. I think consecration is something that as Christians we should do from time to time. I don't think it's a, just a one-off thing. I think if you look at the, the, the scriptures, the children of Israel consecrated themselves at different times. And I think as Christians there's times when we need to come back to the Lord and say, do you know what, I'm, I'm coming afresh. When's the last time you came to the Lord afresh and really said, Lord, you know what, I'm laying it back on the line for you. I think there's times we need to do that. There's times I need to do that. And, and, and just say, Lord, you know, I'm getting a wee bit caught up with other things in my life. I'm coming back to you. And I'm just going to lay it all back to you again. And I think there's times in our lives that we need to do that as Christians. I think there is. And I think it's something we should be doing now and again. Not, not regularly. I'm not talking about every few weeks or every few months. But it's something that I think we need to come back. And, and when's the last time as a Christian you, you came to God and said, Lord, I'm just, I'm just giving it all back to you. Giving it all back to you again. You know, I've been a Christian for 36 years. It's a long time. Yeah, I became a Christian when I was two. <laughs> I know I look young. You know, in 36 years, I'm telling you now, I don't regret some of the things that, that I gave to God 
that I let go of. I don't regret those things. I mean that. I don't regret some of the things. And as I say, there's still things that I need to keep coming back to God about and, and bringing back to him. But the things that I did let go, I don't regret it. In 36, I've never once, because all that God has done for me is incredible. And I mean that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't live another life. I just wouldn't. I love knowing Jesus, and I love that he is my friend and he is my father. And I love the fact that he loves me so much despite the times when I let him down and the things that I, I kind of trip up now and again. Are you committed? How committed are you this morning? What's your faith costing you? When's the last time you consecrated your life? When's the last time you came to, to him and, and just said, Lord, I'm laying it all back to you again? Let's pray. Father, we come to a holy God and we come to a God who is perfect in every way. And Father, I know it's kind of a heavy word this morning, but you know, Father, you want the best for us. And Lord, I think sometimes you just bring these things to us, not to make us feel bad. It's not about feeling bad. It's about actually being the best you can be for the Lord. And I just pray for myself, I pray for us as a congregation, that you would just gently and quietly speak to us and maybe just that we would be willing to not, not to push you away. We wouldn't push you away, Lord, and we wouldn't reject some of the things that maybe you've spoken to us about this morning. We wouldn't push these things away. But we would go away ourselves and pray about these things. And Lord, I pray that we would, when we need to make those changes, we would make the changes. Lord, when we need to let things go, that we would let them go so that you can come with a freshness in our lives, that you can fill us with your Holy Spirit in a new way. Because, Lord, we know that that's what we need. We need to be filled with your Holy Spirit in a fresh way. I pray that you would do something in this fellowship and every one of our lives. Uh, thank you for every person here. Thank you that you're on our side. The Bible says if God be for us, who then can be against us? Thank you, Lord, that you are for us this morning. You're on our side. You're just wanting us to be the best because you love us. It's everything that you say to us. It's only because you love us. So, Lord, help us to deal with some things that we maybe need to deal with. Help us to be willing to be fully committed to you. Help us to pay the cost if we need to pay the cost. And with, there's things that you're maybe just highlighting this morning. Maybe other things in people's lives that haven't been mentioned. Lord, may you come and just speak to us. And may we consecrate ourselves. May we set ourselves apart. May we come afresh to say, God, all to Jesus. I'm laying it back at your feet. Help me to rise up. Help me to move as a man and a woman and a boy and a girl of faith. Help me to move so that I can make a difference 
in, in my workplace, in my home, in the college, in the school. Help me to rise up so that, Lord, you will just flow from our lives, that people will see Jesus Christ in us and they'll be absolutely amazed and they'll want to know what it is that we have in our lives. Father, I pray your blessing over every person here. I pray your hand upon every person. Lord, take us forward. Take us as a church. Take us into all that you have for us. Lord, I thank you. I believe there are great days ahead. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.